Welcome to The Hive Podcast. I'm Olivia Roosh, an art student and this year's Editor-in-Chief. This podcast is brought to you by The Retort, MSUB's student-led news outlet. We're here to deliver relevant news to the MSUB community that is both educational and entertaining. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, everybody. This week I have Jerry from the Health Services. And um, Jerry, do you want to talk a little bit about like what you do here at MSUB? Of course. I am the counseling director. I started January 4th. I came over from the University of Montana Western in Dillon, where I was in the same position for almost five years. And so, yeah, working in student health services with Darla and the rest of the crew there. And it's been awesome. Great. Yeah, we had Darla on earlier when we were talking about COVID and how the university was handling COVID. She was so smart. She had so much to say. And I I love talking to her. She's a really sweet person. Darla's amazing. Yeah, she is. We just had our weekly meeting um, just right before I came over here. And it's always one of my favorite hours of the week. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, So how long have you been here at MSUB? Since January 4th. January fourth. Okay, I, yep. I was gonna say I, I haven't seen you around that often. I've been nope. in the, I've been up in the um, health student health services quite a bit. Never seen you yep. there. No, yeah. I'm the new guy. All right. I started in January fourth, um, but pretty familiar with like MSUB and um, and Billings. So I've known Darla for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I applied for this position, I already knew Darla. We'd worked on some. MUS task forces together and some conferences and some events and I already knew her and knew how wonderful she was and uh, my son has been a student here he's in his fifth year so already really familiar with MSUB and notice knowing some of the people that I'm from eastern Montana and my dad used to live in Billings so uh, uh, really familiar with Billings so it was is a new is a new gig but one that, for all those reasons, is already like super comfortable coming over here. Great, that's the best to come into a job that you're you already feel at home in. You yep. Know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it, it is, especially when you're leaving a place that you like. You know, like yeah. we I, I wasn't really job hunting at the time. It the job just popped up, and we had been in Dillon for uh, over 20 years and raised our family there and bought a house there and really sunk roots there and. So it was going to take a really good gig to get us out of there, and here it is. Awesome. That's so nice to hear. I, I, I love meeting the staff here at MSUB. It's, there's so many of you guys here. We have such a huge staff, and I always love hearing everybody's different stories, where they came from. They always seem to feel like MSUB is a second home for them, and they have a really strong sense of community yes. here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, like, seriously, how nice are people on this campus? Yeah. I, I thought that Montana Western had the nicest people in the world, and now I think they have the second nicest people <laughs> in the world because um, it, it's just a, I, I, I'm still amazed at how incredibly welcoming people are here, and the culture just feels right. People are helpful and friendly. So helpful. And yeah, I've uh, I've loved it. I one one of my favorite things among a lot of really cool things about being here is just like been getting around campus and meeting mm-hmm. people and doing things like this. Like this is really cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm. I am so glad to have you in the studio today. Um, well, thank you. I'm yeah. glad to be in the studio. Oh, great. Today. <laughs> um, so let's jump right in. I have been, personally, I've been feeling a little overwhelmed this semester, and I know a lot of students have. 
Um, everyone I talk to, it seems like they always have a little bit too much on their plate. And personally, it's hard to deal with. And I know a lot of students struggle to separate their school life from their personal life. And it all kind of gets jumbled together and stressors start popping up everywhere. And um, what, what kind of tips and recommendations do you have for feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you have too much going on? That's all kind of characteristic of college students, right, yeah. in, in general, is just to students come to college to do a lot, to try a lot and do a lot and experiment a lot and expand a lot. And, and so that's what they do. That's what you all do when you come to college is you just take on a lot of stuff and try a lot of stuff and find out what works and what doesn't work and, um, and like experiment with different interests and um, get involved in activities and athletics and um, doing things like what you're doing here and it can like really accumulate fast and it's it is very characteristic for a lot of college students to have that sort of how am I gonna fit all this into a day kind of thing and then you'll just like toss a pandemic on to all of that and suddenly there's all this sort of accumulated day-to-day -day stress that can add up and then you just add the kind of helplessness that's come with the pandemic, which has been very stressful, we, we don't like feeling helpless, right? As human, as adult human beings, we don't like that. But I, I just find that particularly people on college campuses who are so used to being in control and empowered and really feeling like they have their destiny in their hands. Like their whole life's right ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. the idea of being, of, of, of they, they seem to experience helplessness even more intensely. Mm -hmm. It's completely and totally uncomfortable for them. And that doesn't even count some of the grief that people are experiencing in this, in this pandemic because we've lost so much, right? We've lost yeah. sometimes people that we love. We've lost some, sometimes our health. We've lost our lifestyle. Jobs. Our jobs, yep, financial security. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you just like stack that onto the general characteristics of what being a college student is. And there's just a, there's just a lot of over overwhelming, students that are having overwhelming experiences out there. And then now as we get closer to the end of the school year, you would think that that would be some relief for students especially with uh, vaccines on the horizon. But really, there's still so much uncertainty about the summer and finding jobs and what am I going to do and do I have to go back home? And then what is it going to look like next fall that it's, it's almost creating like another layer of stress. Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like it, it would be a period of relief, but it doesn't sound like it is when I talk to a lot of students. There's even more uncertainty going with okay, like, after, like, April 24th, then what the hell do I do? Right, like, it's a transitional period, and that's yeah. stressful for anybody. And Yeah, and, like, the yeah. job I had the last two summers doesn't even exist anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, that restaurant is closed down, or those, or that agency that I work for has had budget cuts, and so do I have, what, I have to go live with my parents? Like, I went to college, so I don't have to do that, you know? Yeah. And there's, and so there's even another layer. Might have to go back to the old rent's house. Yeah, that sucks yeah. for everybody. <laughs> that sucks. Like, I haven't had to be home by 11 for four years yeah. or five years. My roof, my rules. That's how my parents and do no it. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. 
Like, yeah. check in? What? Come on, Mom. I haven't checked in. I'm 21, Mom. You can't tell me what to do. Oh, it's my roof. I can tell you whatever I want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that is stressful. Yeah. So, um, you know, like your question was, are there any tips for that? Well, the how, how people cope with that is just so very individualized, right? And it's... Um, you know, people are going to put together coping strategies that are totally unique from each other. It's really hard for me, like, as a counselor who is so used to working on people one-on-one. Like, if you mm-hmm. said, if you were to ask me a question, what are some coping tips that you have for me, mm-hmm. meaning you? Like, I can engage in that conversation with you, and we could explore right. that together, and I'd be comfortable with that. But whenever I'm asked questions like that, as like the community in a whole, right. it always kind of stumps me a little bit because um, as comfortable as I am working with people one-on-one in a counseling setting and feeling like that experience is going to go where it needs to go just with the two of us, you know, in that space at that time, mm-hmm. uh, giving that kind of advice to like the general population uh, is, is as uncomfortable for me as the <laughs> other one is comfortable for me. Right. Well, that's a big group of people. All it's a big individuals. Group of people. Yeah. They all have different needs, wants, and mm-hmm. aspirations. And Some people yeah. cope by being alone. Some people go cope by being in a crowd. Some people recharge in quiet. Some people recharge at a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, some people read. Some people write. Some people um, build things. Some people tear things down. Um, <laughs> Some people hike, some people take naps, right? Right. And, and so I guess the best thing I, I think the most important thing to understand or the best advice I can give, which is still really not giving anybody any answers, is just to make sure that your coping plan or your survival plan or your recovery plan or whatever, whatever it is, is just owned by you and it's tailored for you by you and that it feels like it fits you. You know, it it can be really easy to sort of like read a lot and listen to a lot of other people and think that there are a right and a wrong way of doing things. All all conventional wisdom would say that um, 30 minutes of physical activity a day is great for you. I hate exercise, so I'm not going to do it, you Mm -hmm. know, like I'm happy walking around the hills with my wife or whatever Mm -hmm. or just walking around campus. But cardio hurts. I don't like it. I don't either. Um, So... For, for me to to just um, think that I had to do it because it's the right thing to do would just cause me more stress than just right. finding other ways that work better for me. Right. And so I think that the most important thing to do, to do is is um, is just to make sure that you design uh, a coping plan, recovery plan that works for you and fits you and fits your needs and wants and your schedule and your interests. That's really really important. I think. Definitely, I would I would agree. Um, I, I'm person. I right now I'm actually seeing a therapist outside of MSUB, um, and she recommended to me to just do something that m- makes me happy for an hour. Just like I go downstairs and I roller skate and I dance on my roller skates for half an hour, and then I'll like doodle for another half an hour, and that just gives me the time to enjoy what I'm doing for a second. And that's just that day, right? Yeah. That might not even be repeated on the next not. day. It's whatever I feel like. The next day, maybe I'll cook for a little bit and cook a nice big meal to just like 
give me something to focus on that I enjoy doing. And it is completely different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important, right? Because mm-hmm. I like what you said there about your therapist encouraging you to do something that makes you happy. I think that when we do things that feel like to us that we are valuing ourselves, that that is, that's it right there, right? We're doing something self-valuing. We're sending our message to ourselves that we're valuable and worth taking care of and worth uh, and, and worthy of whatever that is, whether it's roller skating or doodling or drawing or cooking or, or, or whatever it is. And I just think that that's a very powerful message. Um, and when I do 30 minutes of cardio, I don't feel like I'm self-valuing myself. I feel like I'm destroying my lungs. <laughs> But then yeah. yet other people are cool with like running 15 miles a day, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I like I like how you said that. Your therapist said that, that whatever makes you happy, you know, mm-hmm. whatever feels like it's self-valuing in that moment probably is valuable. Yeah. It's, I, I like to think of it, I'm, I'm investing in myself. Like mm-hmm. I'm investing this time into myself to make me feel better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I take my time to do that now that I realize that it's important to my mental health. Like I would just bus through school, just focus on school. And if I had time to read a book for half an hour, I'd be like, well, I can be doing other things for half an hour. I don't really have the time to do this, but I am just realizing that makes me miserable and it makes me not want to go to school. It makes me not want to do things that I used to enjoy doing because I'm not making the time to invest in myself and make myself happy with no pressure on what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful to me, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, very mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. I, I often get asked questions like this in counseling, like when I talk about self care, and students will say, okay, like what is self care and what does that look like? And I said, I don't know. You tell me, like, you know what works for you in self care. And they'll, they'll say a list of stuff, and I'll say, okay, all those things that you just mentioned, do, do more of them. Yeah. Do them more often, you know? Yeah. Don't just save it for 30 minutes at the end of the day. Like, scatter self-care throughout your whole entire day. Yeah, definitely. Like, doodle for a few minutes. Then go roller skating. Yeah. Then cook. Then go for a walk. If it's if it's one minute or if it's one hour, it's still self-care and it still matters, yeah. right? And you're still messaging yourself that you matter enough to take time to do that. Yeah. So... You know, I don't know, whatever self-care is, you get to decide. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I don't like being told what to do all the time, so. It's a very, like, uh, are are you from Montana? Yeah. It's a very Montana thing. Yeah. (laughs) We don't like being told what to do, which I I think is actually kind of badass and cool. Awesome. You know, I've always had personal issues with anxiety and depression, and um, it never really felt uh, like it was being talked about that much outside of me and, you know, my loved ones who I can speak about it with, but just generally, I I would like to assume that most of these college students here have anxiety or depression. Um, And I'm just really relieved that a lot of people are actually taking the time to discuss it and to make awareness of it and and giving it validation, like this is a real, this is a real life problem for you, and we can work on ways to fix it and make it better. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to feel ashamed of it. You know. And and I'll, I'll, most of the people around you can relate to to your anxiety or stress, right? It's very common and it's very hu- it's very human, and especially on a comp a college campus, which is a place that is deliberately stressful, right? Yeah. Um, you, we can all relate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're all friendly about that. Mm-hmm. We can all relate. And I like I like how you said that, Olivia, because um, 
just the importance of having those conversations like that you were just talking about. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that because um, stigma gets in the way, I think, of us feeling um, ashamed about talking about it if we're feeling anxious or if we're feeling depressed or if we're feeling sad or if we're grieving or whatever. And, and stigma gets in the way of help-seeking. And conversations are how we counter stigma. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that countering stigma is, is, is a, requires a really big, scientific, glamorous approach. I think that yeah. once we all just get comfortable talking about these things, there's going to be less stigma. So I really appreciate that you brought that up because that's, that's an important part about us all being stigma, uh, stigma crusaders, you know, is Definitely. Um, just being comfortable having these conversations about this stuff. Right, right. And I'm, I'm really optimistic and hopeful for, like, my generation and generations around me growing up and realizing that you can talk about it. Well, I did also want to talk very quickly about meditation because it's always something that's interested me. And I want to know if you have any research or if you have any knowledge or what your knowledge is of it. Um, I, I love it. Um, I do it a lot with students one-on-one and in groups. And when I say meditation, I mean just sort of some guided meditative exercises that I use that are not specific to any sort of religion or spiritual set, set right. of beliefs or anything like that, and, and not specific to any certain technique. They're just basic guided relaxation exercises. And the reason why, this is one of your questions on your paper, the reason why mm-hmm. meditation works from a therapist's perspective, certainly not from a science perspective, because there's plenty of brain science out there on why meditation works. and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is certainly like validated over and over and over by research that it's effective in managing anxiety and helping with sleep problems and um, things like that. But um, from, a, from a therapist's perspective, one thing that is very prevalent among college students is, and staff and faculty, <laughs> uh, it's very characteristic among people that are high-achieving, goal-oriented, task-oriented, which our community is full of um it's sort of the culture of a college is to always be uh, innovative moving forward generating ideas doing tasks completing things getting stuff done hitting deadlines right we that that's all something that gives us purpose and meaning but it also gives us stress and anxiety oh yeah um but also what comes with that is a lot of woulda shoulda coulda so there's a lot of stress from the past that we drag in and put that on top of the pile and then there's always a lot of what if. Mm-hmm. So then this the future stressor. So now we got this pile of past, present, and future stress that's just this big old heavy pile. And what meditation and mindfulness does is it is it allows us to be in the moment with whatever we're doing in the moment, whether it's a breathing exercise or reading a book or watching a TV show or exercising or doodling, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um and quiet that woulda, shoulda, coulda, and that what if, what if, what if, so that we get some relief and makes the stress of the moment much more manageable for us. So um, we're not experiencing all anxiety all the time. That's what like wears us out and runs us down and gets in the way of us um, uh, sleeping and causes these fight, flight, freeze reactions and causes us to avoid things that we otherwise would need to do or want to do, mm-hmm. um, like turning in a paper or something. Um, so when we can just like 
through mindfulness, then it makes it much easier to cope with just the stress of the moment. Or, or even if that's just like the stress of the moment is just like maintaining a constant breathing pattern, right? Right. Then it all of a sudden just feels more mind, it just feels more manageable. And the one thing that all kinds of meditation and mindfulness have in common is, is like breath, commanding our breathing, managing our breathing. And it seems to be just this mechanism that we all have that doesn't require any special talent to be able to just stop and close our eyes and to slow and deepen our breathing and create an instant state of mindfulness. Like we can all do that any minute of every day. The more we practice, the better we get at it. But even if we don't practice it, we can still do it. It's really cool. Um, So really there are a lot of extravagant kinds of meditation and mindfulness out there. There are a lot of different ways to do it. You can do it specific to religious and spiritual beliefs. Uh, Yoga has that piece in it, which um, is, you know, yoga is like much more technical in that it's it's paired with poses and stretches and things like that. But really it's... um, it's the breathing piece that's the essence of mindfulness. And um, when, you, when you think about it, for any of us to just stop, close our eyes, and command our breathing and slow it down and deepen it, we have to be completely mindful to do that. If we don't concentrate on our breathing and only our breathing, we can't do that. Right. And so it's a really spectacular way, um, regardless of your technique, to just command your breathing to create mindfulness and then just quiet that what it should have could have, that what if, what if, what if. And the more we do it, the, the more it helps. Okay. So if you can get up and do it for a few minutes in the morning, do it every time you have a break during the day, and then, you know, end your day with 50 minutes of yoga or meditation, and that's wonderful. Um, but really all people have to do is just like go on YouTube. There's like a gazillion, put your earbuds in, and there's a gazillion awesome. like videos that are five minutes long, 10 minutes long, 50 minutes long. You can even search like five-minute guided breathing on YouTube and it'll just pop up for you. Right. It doesn't so have to be fancy. No excuses for not having time to do it. You can do it for two minutes. You, you need know. a phone and a pair of earbuds <laughs> in a quiet yeah. place and then you just go sit down and close your eyes. I do it in my office often. Right. Awesome. Um, I want to let the students at MSUB know about what resources we have here and like we have in the student health services that can help them if they're feeling anxious, depressed, stressed? What do we have for them here? Um, well, we have two counselors. There's myself and then Dr. Vicki Burford, who um, she, she always describes this as her retirement gig. <laughs> so she's with us two days a week. She's wonderful. She's experienced. She's been at MSU Billings for a long time. She's super familiar with the place and the students and the culture, and she's really wonderful. Um, so we have two therapists. Uh, if students have, um, if, if they're taking more than seven, seven credits or more, then they pay the student health fee and they have access to those services for no additional cost. So we don't do any third-party billing or anything like that. It's super easy to get an appointment. You just call the student health services office or just walk into the office and make an appointment. But we also have medical providers and nurses there too, all accessible with the student health fee. Nice. And if students are, if students are registered for less than seven credits. That doesn't mean they can't access student health services. That just means they weren't automatically billed the student health fee. So they can still pay the student health fee separately at the start of any of those semesters to still access student health services. Right. I think I did that over the summer one time and just paid one little fee at the beginning and then had full access to it. It was awesome. Full access. It was great. Yeah. Really, I I love going to student health services. Everybody mm-hmm. is so nice up there, and Isn't that they just, just want to take care of you. They just want to yeah, make you totally feel better. Yeah, that's all we want to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love it. It's and awesome. We just want y'all to be okay. Yeah. Making sure we're all just getting through it okay. Yeah, yeah I exactly. Love that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank and you so much. talking for us a little bit about mental health awareness. Um, I really uh, am glad that we can give the students something to help with all of this stress. I know it's really bad out there right now. And another <laughs> message I'd like to share, if it's okay, Olivia, before before we're all done, is it's, it's something that I mentioned on the uh the town hall last week is that as we as we're moving into like recovery from this pandemic we're all going to experience recovery right and that recovery is going to be very different for everybody um, but just encouraging people to after a year of helplessness because of this pandemic and not really being able to do anything about curing it or stopping it or adjusting to it or mitigating because of it right we were given no choice in any of that but fortunately, we do have a lot of choices in our recovery. So just I would just like to encourage people to just write their own recovery story and just take back that sense of empowerment. We're all being given that yeah. recovery opportunity. What a perfect time for us to just grab that and re-empower ourselves and just write that story however we need to write it because um, it's been a year. It's time to get back in the driver's seat. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be so completely different for every single individual person. Yep. And I have my journal I write in, so I'll write my recovery plan in Good there. And yeah, we'll, I'll stick to it. So if, if I write it down, I'll do it. <laughs> Don't forget to breathe while you write in your journal. It's great right. mindfulness pairing. Yes, I will start breathing. I used to just hold my breath while I was writing the whole time. Yeah. Now I'll start breathing. <laughs> yeah, just deep breathe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you, I Olivia. Absolutely love talking to you about this. And anytime. Anytime. All right. We'll first probably have you on again. This is great. I love this stuff. Yeah. Um, I know. We could just like sit here and geek out about this stuff. I there. know. Yeah. It's super great. I just. I agree. I, I love mental health. You know, just bettering yourself just makes you happier. And that's the goal, right? You just I love that. You just want to be happy. Yeah. There's the slogan yeah. right there. Just bettering yourself makes you happier. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I thank you so much. Put a pause on this now. Thank you for tuning in to The Hive Podcast. You can follow The Retort on Instagram and like us on Facebook for more content. Feel free to reach out with ideas for future episodes through our social media or email us at retort at msubillings.edu. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode was sponsored by MSUB's student government, ASMSUB.